I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Tesla's Gigafactory hit by a failed attack wanting Bitcoin ransom. Suspect in Bitfinex case held accounts at dozens of world's top banks. And in our main story, the Fed announces a new inflation approach, a move that could benefit Bitcoin. All coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Today is Friday, August 28th, 2020. And something caught my eye yesterday on Twitter. It was a tweet from Jameson Lop. And he's actually done a couple of these tweets. The title is Same Shit, Different Century, where he posts pictures. And this one I'm looking at right now is a slave from 1863 with scars on his back from being beaten or whipped and a picture of a man with seven bullet holes in his back from 2020. And of course, I thought the tweet was interesting because I wanted to know what Lop meant. I want to understand what he was thinking at the time. Of course, the tweet is interesting. It really started me thinking. The most interesting are the comments. Bye-bye, commie, they say, and unfollow Lop. Bad take, they say. You must be kidding, they say. You've lost your way, Jameson, they say. So I reached out to Jameson to ask him what he meant by this tweet. He wanted him to come on. He said he's a little bit busy. Understandably, I sent him an email a couple hours ago to say, hey, do you want to jump, jump on in an hour? He's like, yo, bro, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little busy over here. But he did write a comment. And I want to read this comment to you. And I would love to hear your thoughts. If you want to send thoughts about this comment, send it to MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. And he says, in quote, suffice it to say that this tweet and similar ones today are general commentary on authoritarianism and institutional oppression rather than about any one specific situation. Some folks will get triggered because they are not exactly the same circumstances. My point is that at a very high level, it's twisted authoritarian logic being used to legitimize the abuse of power. End quote. So my question to everybody out there listening is, when do we know that we cross that line? When do we know that it's abuse of power? When do we know that we are now in an authoritarian government? Everyone listening out there, I want specifics. I want to know when do you know? That's what I want to know. Is it tanks on the street? Is it martial law? Is it a countrywide curfew? What is the line that needs to be crossed for us to go, this is the point? Because there's a lot of debate to Jameson Lop's post yet no real answers and is there an actual answer is there a real answer is there something tangible we can hold on to and say yes this we do not tolerate well for different demographics there are different points and different lines to be crossed different things that they will or will not tolerate when does it get to your point if you're not already there already email me matthewaron at decrypt.co now for today's prices here comes the money here we go money talks and I'm recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin sitting at $11,479, up 1.3% from yesterday. Ethereum, $394.31, up 2.9% from yesterday. Litecoin, $57.87, up 3.3% from yesterday. Chainlink, $14.92, up 2.5% from yesterday. And XRP, $0.27, cents, up 2.5% from yesterday. 
we are up across the board. And I also heard a very bullish tweet from yesterday. Some of this says next stop is $15,000. Might come back down to 12 after that, but then we're gonna be bullish up again. So I would say that this might not last long. Let's see if we hit that 15,000 mark. Total market cap for all cryptocurrencies is $359.7 billion. Bitcoin dominance, 59%. And in our main story today, the Fed announces a new inflation approach, a move that could benefit Bitcoin. The Federal Reserve says that it's pushing aside a 40-year-old practice of lifting interest rates to stave off higher inflation in favor of a new approach. The Fed Chairman Jerome Powell announced its move on Thursday in a speech at the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium Conference, which has been forced to go virtual because of the coronavirus. The new policy is dubbed average inflation targeting, means the central bank will be more apt to allow inflation to run higher than the standard 2% target before hiking interest rates. It also means that the Fed will be less inclined to increase interest rates when the employment rate falters. In his speech, Powell says, in quote, many find it counterintuitive that the Fed would want to push up inflation. However, inflation that is persistently too low can pose serious risk to the economy, end quote. So what does this all mean? For that, we turn to Dr. Mark Flurry. CEO of 2Prime, to talk about it. Dr. Mark Fleury, welcome to the show. Thanks, glad to be here. The Fed announced a new inflation approach. Can you tell me what does this mean? It says that inflation could rise above 2%. The question of inflation versus deflation and, and monetary policies is not a trivial one. Uh, there's a lot of nonlinear effects in, in how monetary policy impacts prices. Uh, the first thing to bear in mind is that different asset classes respond differently. What I mean by that is at a macro level, we've been in a deflationary environment on the core inflation indexes, which usually include food or uh, cell phones. I mean, if you look at the cell phone in your hand over the past 20 years, it's increased in, in power and decreased in, in price tremendously. So we've seen deflation on, on these assets. On the other hand, easy monetary printing since 2008 has definitely created asset inflation. Uh, so what's going on with COVID is you have an implosion going on of assets. For example, real estate is cratering, cratering. Why? Because people are not paying rent, and so the prices are just going down. On the other hand, the monetary printing has found an easy way to the stock market, and so the stock market order books are reflecting monetary demand, not economic demand. This is the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic valuation. People think of the stock market and say, where's the economic value? Well, it doesn't matter. What matters is the stock market also prices by the last person who bought. And so the order books of the stock market are purely financial instruments detached of economic underlying. So the Fed is saying, look, first of all, we can't have massive deflation because that messes up everybody and the, and the system at large. Yet at the same time, they need to print enough money to feed people. Otherwise, you have revolution in the street, very simply put. So they're kind of in a, in a difficult spot because that's the only thing they can do. And now they're doing it not like they did in 08, which was all a very symbolic, abstract Fed printing at the Fed accounts. It never entered circulation. That's a misconception by a lot of people that QE created inflation by going in the economy. It didn't. It just patched the system. But this is not a way. Now the money is going completely directly to consumer and found its way to the equity market. So that's why, you know, the first point is this detachment from the sort of the asset inflation that we're seeing, which is truly a debasement of the dollar. And then the deflation on the goods uh, in the world supply chain, you know, that's a real thing. And we're not looking at 1929. We have abundance of food 
of electronics, of shelter, in fact. You know, the fact that, I don't know if you know, but there's more houses available in the United States for sale right now that are empty than there are homeless in the street. Um, and so that tells you a little bit about, you know, how, 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 how we try to keep those assets floating and the difference between just the food, the shelter, and then the speculative assets. And Bitcoin definitely fits in that, in that category of discussion. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that there was more empty houses than there were homeless. Yes, this is a this is a this is a fact. You can look it up, and uh, I know a lot wow. of people doing social work, and is it it means you know that that's we have abundance. It's just because we price everything monetarily in between. We don't have the the, the map can get funky at times, and the map right now is uncharted territory. Okay, so when when we hear inflation, we worry. We worry when the the Fed says we're going to not control it, we're going to allow it to rise above two uh, percent. I think a lot of people are thinking slippery slope. We're thinking Venezuela. We're thinking Zimbabwe. How much control does the Fed actually have? Do they actually have the power to limit it at three, three and a half, four, or are we going to a you know it could snowball and and just go off the rails? So it could snowball and go off the rails, but let's bear in mind that America and the West in general is not Zimbabwe. Uh, or Venezuela, for that matter. Uh, the scale is almost planetary. So it's one thing to print money in a tiny country and get destroyed by foreign exchange because nobody's buying anything from you. And quite another to say, look, we have a problem in the West with COVID. We need to print X trillions of dollars or we have uh, uh, concentration camp pauperization in America, meaning you have no food. Uh, in, in, when in fact you have the actual food uh, available, it's just the money. That's not available. So right now, the Fed is battling massive deflation. If you pay attention to what's going on in real estate, nobody's paying rent, so the prices are going through the floor. Uh, it's, 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 it's a train wreck right now in, in real estate. Okay, so that asset is going to see tremendous deflation, which for some people is good because it means you don't pay rent, you can live, et cetera, et cetera. But from a financial standpoint, and because so much of our financial system depends on the housing Remember, 2008 was a purely housing bubble. Um, you know, this is cause for concern. If the real estate markets are in deflation and free fall, the Fed is going to do everything to backstop that price. The unintended consequence is that a lot of that sideline money finds its way to other order books that are much thinner. Equity, Tesla, Bitcoin. And on those assets, they become hedges on the inflation. So the prices are going up in dollars. But if you look at the rest of the world, the prices are not going up on those assets. So the prices going up is purely a debasement of the dollar. Last question is I want you to do me a favor and can you phrase this for the average person? I mean, okay, not many people have a degree or even a class in economics. Uh, Inflationary, deflationary are things that people try to battle with, with, you know, uh, talking about cryptocurrency, talking about the economy, talking about the Fed, talking about printing money. It's very abstract to a lot of people, including myself. What does this mean for the average person, the mom and the pop, the person that goes to the grocery store, the person that does their daily life? What could this look like? And does it actually look like anything? It's a great question. And there's a little bit of crystal ball gazing in there because go predict a nonlinear chaotic system, which is what we have right now. But in simple terms, number one, I think we want to see that there's still stimulus money coming. So 30% of the people without a job are going to be worried about how do I get food and how do I pay rent? This is where guaranteed income, call it the GI Bill, just to get cute. But guaranteed income is what we're doing right now. And, and that says, look, stop panicking because the economy actually has enough 
supply chain power to feed and house everybody. We just have to find the financial layer on the housing and shelter asset. So right now we're seeing deflation on the shelter. On the food, we're seeing some inflation, and that's worrying me because we haven't had inflation you know, in the 20 years on, on all these goods. Think of your cell phone. Think of the cost of McDonald's, etc. But that actually looks fine. I'm actually very optimistic that we won't see inflation on the core food and shelter. Now for the speculative assets, which probably don't include real estate because real estate is too tied to the economy and the economy rent is going to nowhere to shit, pardon my French. But for the speculative assets, it's the opposite. The speculative assets are going to go sky high because we're seeing debasement of the currency and then we're seeing further speculation with monetary easing. So you may have a decoupling of the rich getting richer as the story usually goes because we're bailing out the equity markets, but also a very Marxist wet dream, again, pardon my French, where we're printing guaranteed income for a large part of the population so they can think of food and shelter. So the the answer to you is, if your reader is consider, is concerned right now, and I'm sure a lot of them will be with food and shelter, then good news. We're probably going to take care of that real quickly uh, and, and at a cost that's, that's bearable. If you have assets, well, good news. Those assets are going to go high. If you don't have assets, then that's the inequality problem of quantitative easing. We are seeing that it stresses inequality. This was the analysis of Piketty, the French economist, which was accused of Marxism, etc., but, you know, we are getting to it. We have abundance. We need guaranteed income. The GI Bill for everybody. That's 30% of the people that otherwise would have to worry about food and shelter. And for those that have the luck of being able to speculate on real estate, on stocks, and on crypto, you know, you may see a melt-up of prices, meaning a complete debasement of the dollar. Don't, don't repeat it too loud, but it's the dollar cratering that we're witnessing. And then the only question is, how, you know, is it is really the dollar, is it really cratering or can the Fed continue printing for a while? I'm going to go with, this is not Zimbabwe, this is not Venezuela, this is Europe, this is the West, and this is China doing the same thing with their Silk Road, meaning Africa. So now we have the West, US, Europe, most of Asia, East, and now you have Africa with the Silk Road. So you have central monetary banking printing. That's going to result into a melt-up of assets, specifically numerous clausus assets. So in simple terms, if you have the money to put on Bitcoin or crypto or anything, Tesla stock, do it because we're going to crater the dollar. And the dollar, the greenback is strong enough so that on the back end we can implement the Marxist wet dream through capitalist means. Here's financial money to go buy the food that we're already producing anyway. So, so in summary, let me summarize this for everybody who's listening. Moon, correct? Uh, on 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 Africa general <laughs> and the further away from the economy as possible. Yes, Doctor Barclay, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show. All righty, thank you. And in other news, Tesla's Gigafactory hit by a failed hack, wanting Bitcoin ransom. The electric car maker's biggest production facility was targeted by bad actors planning a hack involving Bitcoin payments. But the FBI foiled plans. What happened was a Russian proposed a Tesla employee to install malware on the firm's servers. He offered to pay over a million dollars in Bitcoin for doing so. But Tesla was like, eh, eh, ain't gonna happen. And the FBI ultimately foiled those plans. To me, it sounds like good OPSEC. Good job, guys. The United States leaks 280 crypto accounts to North Korean hackers. 
the Department of Justice filed a civil forfeiture complaint against 280 cryptocurrency accounts. It alleges that those accounts were used to launder money stolen in two separate 2019 hacks. Those hacks are both believed to come from North Korea with the money laundered via Chinese nationals. And finally, suspect in Bifinex case held accounts at dozens of the world's top banks. In a new court filing today, U.S. prosecutors submitted a list of bank accounts subject to forfeitudes in an ongoing case against Reginald Fowler, an Arizona businessman and ex-Minnesota Viking minority owner charged with operating a shadow banking operation. Fowler is linked to the missing $850 million that crypto exchange Bifinex has been accused of hiding. What banks are those, you might ask? Well, Bank of America, Bank of the Philippines, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, Citibank, Enterprise Bank, HSBC, JP Morgan Chase, and so on and so on. And Fowler, he is currently living in Arizona, free on his $5 million bail. His trial is set for January of 2021. Good news for us, because we'll have more news to report. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I hope you had a great week, and I hope you have a great weekend. Don't forget to subscribe, share the news, and download the Decrypt app on your Apple App Store, your Google Play Store, and... I will see you Monday. Happy hodling. Let's hope for the bubble.